of phantoms and monsters. They exist among us, and sometimes they win. Even the devil was an angel once. The world has its own rules, and these rules are not human. Some of us seek answers to the origin and existence of cryptids and the unexplained. Join us as we venture beyond the known and accepted boundaries. Welcome to our nightmare. I think you're going to like it. Hey folks, good evening and welcome to Phantoms Monsters Radio. Thanks for joining me. Now, um, we had a bit of a screw-up last week. I was trying to put Windows 11 in <laughs> into the computer, and it kind of knocked everything out. So uh, it took me most of the week to get everything back in. So, uh, again, I, I apologize for last week, but we've got Tobias with us tonight, and uh, we'll be talking about his book and about the Chicago Mothman. Uh, but first of all, the, the Phantoms of Monsters radio channel is made possible by you clicking on the subscribe and like buttons and by you sharing our programming. Uh, super chat and super thanks donations are always appreciated. And then you can click the dollar icon located below the chat box. Um, the Buy Me a Coffee link and banner are also shown below. So thanks for your consideration. Now, I want to welcome all new members to the channel as well as first timers into the chat. Now, if you are listening to me for the first time uh please like and subscribe to the channel uh, set your notifications at the bell icon so you receive word when the new presentation is live or being posted onto the channel and if you're in the chat and you do have a question uh please use all caps so tonight i have tobias whalen joining me who's a 14 investigator who's been actively investigating unusual for over um for over a decade the first several years of his investigative career were spent as a MUFON field investigator, and following that, he investigated independently prior to becoming the head writer and editor for the Singular Fortean Society. Now, Tobias is a frequent guest on various podcasts and radio shows, has written several books, and contributed articles to periodicals on the paranormal, as has appeared on television and in documentaries, and is also often invited to speak at paranormal conferences and events. Now, he was featured in the series premiere of Expedition X and Small Towns Monsters documentaries, Terrors in the Sky, and on the trail of the Lake Michigan Mothman for his work investigating Mothman sightings around Lake Michigan. Now, he and his wife, Emily, have been involved with the Lake Michigan Mothman investigation since its advent in the spring of 2017, and published a book chronicling the experience, the Lake Michigan Mothman, High Strangest in the Midwest. His second and third book about unusual phenomena, Strange Tales of the Impossible, and the Singular Fortean Society's Yuletide Guide to High Strangest, continue their work in investigating a variety of seemingly impossible events. Now, in uh, the Singular Fortean Society Yuletide Guide to High Strangers, Tobias and Emily take you on a journey into the darkest part of the year. Winter has always been a time of magic, monsters, and legendary figures. Their stories are told and retold through generation, across generations. 
But what if there are something, there was something more, some authentic human experiences that inspired these stories so often told around the campfires as much to drive back the shadows as to provide warmth. So in the book, the Whalens look at uh, Christmas legends and compare them to modern anomalous anom phenomena to see what similarities exist from sheep squatch to Santa Claus. The singular Fortune Society's Yuletide Guide to High Strangers covers a wide variety of reported sightings that might represent a startling truth about the stories we tell. So Tobias, welcome to the show. Hey, Lon. Good to be here. Yeah, great to have you. Uh, we haven't—I well, don't even know if we talked since we came back from Chicago. I don't know, but it's—it's uh, <laughs> it's been a while. Yeah, I mean, other than back just, on the show. Yeah, I mean, other than just kind of chatting online and messenger and stuff, it's yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, uh, that's hard to believe. It's been over six months ago, isn't it? Yeah, boy. I mean, time flies. Feels like we were just oh, there. Yeah, it's it's weird. So tell us about the book. Um, you know, it's that time of year. So uh, let's talk talk to the, the the audience about it and tell us what's in it. Sure. So, you know, uh, this is a, a, a book that is probably self-explanatory uh, somewhat based just on the, the title. You know, it, it kind of includes what I'm getting at in there, the Singular 40 in Society's Yuletide Guide to High Strangeness. But um you know, it's uh, it's probably helpful to unpack that somewhat, you know. So what we were really going for was um, we wanted to cover all of these these weird Christmas legends and stories that don't necessarily get a lot of attention otherwise, you know. So think like uh, Krampus and the uh, Yule Cat, Yule Goat, uh, uh, Gorilla, uh, Frau uh, Perta and, uh, you know, those kinds of, of characters. And of course, St. Nicholas and Santa Claus and all that stuff. But, you know, that had been done. You know, like there are, are other books out there that, um, that, that talk about the history uh, of those, those figures. And so while that's still interesting, and I did include lots of, of historical facts and, uh, and, and data, it couldn't just be that. It had to be more, right? And so something that has always fascinated me is the origin of these, these stories. And something I, I think you'll find, much like when researching fairy lore, for instance, uh, when you look into a lot of these, these Christmas legends and, uh, and the folklore around them, you'll see a startling resemblance to paranormal phenomena that's still reported today. Uh, you know, there are myriad examples of that in the, the book, of course. But, um, you know, if, if I had to pick one uh, off the top of my head, uh, you know, I would say looking at the, uh, the the wild hunt, for instance. Now, this is something, of course, that uh, has long been associated with the, the Yuletide season. And it can take many forms, everything from uh, fairy troops of underground dwelling beings coming to the, the surface, like in the the um, legend of uh, Asgardsre or uh, Odin leading uh, the the spectral uh, wild hunt with the uh, the the spirits of of dead warriors, uh, uh, Frau Perkta uh, leading her uh, uh, 
ethereal troop of of dead children. Um, you know, they 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 all have this this commonality of supernatural figures leading uh, troops of of spirits and and, and other uh, supernatural uh, figures, right? And what's interesting about that is so much of the stories told about those uh, phenomena mirror uh, paranormal phenomena still reported today. So if you look at something like uh, Asgard's Ray, right? Like that's something where there is this supposed fairy troop roaming around uh, around Christmas time and you don't want to run into them. Because lots of things bad, you know, uh, mostly bad could could happen to you if you do. So uh, you might uh, experience missing time. You might be taken away. Uh, you know, these these things that we still see uh, normally associated with things like alien abduction, you know, and uh, and furthermore, in some of the stories told about this specific form of uh, of, of wild hunt. Uh, there are home invasions. You know, one of the the most popular stories involves this uh, this fairy troop that basically takes over these these people's house. And one of the things it really reminded me of was uh, uh, Whitley Strieber's first uh, remembered experience with uh, extraterrestrials, these or these these otherworldly beings. Um, you know, where he uh, he first noticed this like this loud whooshing sound throughout their house and um it was calamitous right like there was there was a sense of uh tumult you know like and uh, and then of course his house is invaded or his cabin rather up in in upstate new york is invaded by these these diminutive beings which in their own right are generally very similar at least in in uh the the most general of terms with uh, fairies and, and such, specifically, you know, diminutive sort of underground dwelling ones. And so it's uh, it's fascinating to me to look at those stories and sort of wonder, well, what what inspired those? Like certainly they were told during the darkest time of, of the year as a form of, of entertainment, certainly. But what if the inspiration for them is the same inspiration we have for people telling those stories today. That is to say, uh, they could be based on some actual real life experiences. And, and if that's the case, then I think that uh, these Christmas legends deserve to be paid more attention than just, um, you know, as a, a, a sort of trivial entertainment. You, you know, the... <laughs> Now, my family is originally from Switzerland, and um, several years ago, I started looking into some of the traditions. Uh, the, the town I was at, my family was actually from, was near Zurich along the lake. Uh, the town was Richtersville. And, of course, the, you talk about the Grampus uh, as far as, you know, legend with Black Pete and Krampus and all that other stuff. Uh, but they have a tradition there, which I find fascinating. They have a Christmas turnip festival. And what <laughs> they do, they hollow out turnips, put lights in them, and string them all over the town. And people come from all over the place to see 
these lighted turnips all all, all throughout the town. It, it's bizarre. Uh, I, I've seen some pictures of it. I mean, they light the whole town up with these lit turnips. It's just really weird. Wow. Like, do they do they they carve them like uh, like jack o' lanterns or anything? Yeah, exactly, exactly. They get pretty good sized turnips, and then they hollow them out, and then they um, they put a couple holes in it, and they put a candle or a light in it, and they string them up. Huh. It's, that's the damnest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> that is. Well, weren't uh, weren't turnips the original uh, jack-o'-lanterns? Because pumpkins are native to uh, this continent. You know, they wouldn't have those in, in Ireland yeah. or any place. So I think they used turnips before the the, the tradition of of uh, uh, Halloween actually came to North America. Um, huh. Yeah. I wonder. I wonder if there's some kind I of connection. Know. There. I don't know. That's so interesting. I don't know what I had to look that up, but no, I, um, of course I was looking into the Grampus thing and all that, but then uh, somebody had something come up about the turnip festival around Christmas. And I'm thinking, what the hell are they talking about? And, uh, yeah, they carve, they, they hollow out these turnips and make lights out. I I don't know. You know, it's, it, the, the whole area is, it's a farming community, but it's a city and, you know, but uh, yeah, it's it's bizarre. So, I you know I guess if we if we examined every little burg in Europe, we'd find all kinds of weird traditions. But um, I just found that fascinating. That is no, that's really interesting. And and you're right. And that's something that uh, that I actually noticed in my my research for this this book is there are so many different uh, iterations of of the the folklore surrounding this this holiday you know christmas and and the the mm-hmm. uh yuletide season um and it does vary like region to region it could vary village to village you know um and so yeah like it's just it's so interesting to see some of those those uh localized traditions like what you're talking about you know like now i'm gonna have to start carving turnips and, and hanging them <laughs> up around here <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I don't. You know. I. I don't know if it's got some type of uh, good luck symbolism or, or whatever. I. I don't know what it is. But uh, yeah, yeah. The turnip festival. So. Yeah, it could just be. Yeah, it could just be that um, it's a convenient thing that uh, you can carve out and and light up. You know, because uh, decorating your space with lights this time of year. I mean that that goes way back because it's the darkest time of the year, right? And so sure. when uh, people believed that the darkest time of the year also brought with it, uh, you know, ghosts and, and spirits and capricious fairies and things, uh, you would want to light your, your space up. You know, you, you would have feasts like Yule where you would light bonfires and things and try to, uh, to illuminate your surroundings as much as, as possible. So who knows if it has anything to do with like turnip specifically other than that, uh, we already know from Ireland that they're relatively convenient root vegetables that you could hollow out and and put a candle in there and, and they'll light up okay. So who knows? Mm. Well, uh, folks can go to your website and buy the book, right? Oh, definitely. So, of course, uh, you can go to, uh, to singular40in.com slash books and uh, you'll find a couple of buttons there if you do just under the uh, picture of the book, actually the lovely uh, cover drawn by my, my wife, Emily. 
And uh, yeah, you can go to buy it on Amazon. Uh, you can buy a signed copy from us if you'd like. Um, and uh, and yeah, I, I hope people do. I think they'll they'll really like it. Well, interesting. So um, anyway, you know we're <laughs> we've been looking into this the Chicago Mothman, Lake Michigan Mothman phenomena. Now it seems like it's been forever. Uh, you and I together have been looking at it since 2017 and the iteration mm -hmm. of the the new sightings. But uh, this has really been going on for a long time. So, folks, if you, if you do have any questions, please uh, use all caps, put it in the chat, and I'll bring it up there. And I, I do want to mention that the last time we were on, we had talked about some of the earlier sightings from this year. But since that time, I think we've had five sightings. And in fact, there was one in, in, and I don't know how many of these, how many of these people did you talk to? The one in Pilsen, did you talk to that, that girl that saw the thing under the, um, the overpass? Let me think. I don't believe I was able to speak to her okay. specifically. Let me Actually, I'm going to pull some of these up because um, it would be helpful, I think, okay. to uh, to be able to see them. Do you remember when that one took place? Like what year that was? It was reported recently, but was it in an older sighting? Well, yeah, she, uh, she. it was an older sighting. I think it was about two or three years old. Uh, she she uh, had seen this thing, but never really acted on it. But... Uh, yeah, first of all, she called me. She, she, now, let's see. Let me see here what she's, yeah, she said, uh, I asked her to send me the information. She said, Lon, I just got off the phone with you this morning. Here's the location and uh, where I saw it. Um, it was a, uh, she said she was walking through the underpass near South Laughlin Street and West Six and encountered a seven foot tall winged humanoid. She said she had just parked her car to see her boyfriend at the time, which was in the Pilsen community. Uh, it was October 2019. I parked almost two blocks from this building, from his building. It was really late, and I was walking past the, uh, the under of this bridge. Standing underneath, reminiscing, I saw a seven-foot humanoid with veiny bat-like wings face towards the wall, not directly staring at me, but just standing. I got super creeped out, so I started walking to where I needed to be. But when I look back, I know for sure that, that I saw something very strange. Now, she said a couple years later, I remember seeing that creature and decided to do some research. Turns out many people in Chicago, and look, she didn't know anything about it. Uh, had, you know, had seen similar just blocks away from there. So, yeah, uh, I had talked to her and a uh, very fortright witness. Uh, she seemed to be affected by the sighting. She she literally moved out of Chicago right after that. And hmm. I asked her, what was that sighting and the reason why? She said, well, it contributed to it. So uh, I don't know. But it. It did seem like a, a very interesting sighting, and uh, I, I do believe she saw that thing. Sure, yeah. I mean, that's that's fair enough. You know what? What is really interesting so, to me uh, uh, yeah. uh, about this this particular sighting is 
that word reminiscing. She describes this this creature as standing un, under this bridge, and and she's saying that the creature looked like it was reminiscing, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's what she meant. Yeah. That's that's such a uh, unique I don't know. I, way to I, I, describe I, that. It's an odd word. Well, I don't think we've ever had anybody say that before, have we? <laughs> no, I'm just picturing Mothman, and, you know, and he's kind of standing under this bridge and, you know, maybe he's smoking a cigarette, just kind of staring into the distance. <laughs> um, I, just, I don't mean to like make make fun, but I mean, it's just such an unusual way for somebody to to describe this this creature. So I wonder, um, I just I, I, I wish I could get a little more more detail to kind of try to suss out maybe exactly what the the, the witness meant because well I, I think we both know that a lot of witnesses struggle to find the words to describe their experiences you know because they are mm -hmm. so powerful you know and they're so weird like they're so far outside of people's understanding so I wonder if if this is one of those cases where the creature just appeared strange or maybe uh, she was sort of struggling to make sense of it and, uh, and, and applied this, this very human emotion, right. To this creature. Cause we've seen that plenty of times too, where people will sort of anthropomorphize these, these creatures, whatever they are and, um, and sort of project uh, a human emotion or, or motivation, you know, try to make sense of what's going on, which is only natural, you know, like we try to make sense of these things. Hmm. Right. So, but uh, yeah, that's, that's an interesting well, one. You know, it's like when people compare it to the Jeepers Creepers monster mm -hmm. from the films or whatever. It's interesting that people use uh, what they're familiar with for the descriptions, but that Jeepers Creepers description we've heard, dozens of times from from witnesses that's that's come up quite a bit uh let's see we've got that yeah um shana and uh and barbara down in rockford i think they compared it to uh marcus from underworld uh which i'm not terribly familiar with but uh, apparently he is a large it's a vampire uh, uh, scary <laughs> it's, it's a yeah, vampire ring vampire yeah. thing so Similar yeah. to Jeepers Creepers, probably. And uh, what was it's it's think, pretty uh, bizarre. It is. I thought there might be a, a third one, but I I can't think of it right now. I'll probably think of it later. But yeah, no, it 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 does happen because again, like we were just talking about, uh, people really struggle to try to to describe this stuff, and 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 they end up trying to relate it to to something familiar. So a character from a, a, mm -hmm. a movie is a lot easier than. Than trying to come up with the the words to to really describe this impossible thing you saw. Well, we got a bunch of questions, so let's just go ahead and start whittling this down. This is from Robo seventeen seventy six. Has anyone expressed or had experienced physical contact, accidental or otherwise, with the Mothman? What do you have to say about that? Sure. Well, the the case that comes to mind immediately for me uh, was from Waukegan in the the 1970s, and uh, this actually came to me 
from the the witness's daughter. Uh, the witness unfortunately had had passed away, but uh, but his daughter came to me, and uh, and wanted to tell me about what had happened to her dad. And so uh, she told me about how one night he had he had gone out, and it was pretty late, and uh, he needed to go uh, help his friend uh, jumpstart his car. His car battery had had died, and so her dad heads out, and uh, he ends up going to this relatively isolated parking lot with not a lot by it. I think there were just a, a, a couple of uh, like taller silos and things. And uh, and as he's out there, he's helping uh, his friend, you know, get started jumping his, his battery. And he said, uh, all of a sudden, he felt this feeling of fear. And so it just came, it, it just came over him. And so he starts looking around. And when he does that, he sees this, this winged being this creature up on top of one of these these silos and it's it's got these red eyes and, uh, and he's not going to stick around at at this point like he and his friend decide that the car can wait they're going to get the hell out of there and so they they jump into the man's car and and take off and i guess this thing swooped down at them and uh, and followed mm. and uh and and scratched his car up like started attacking his car on the way out and um and the uh the the woman with whom i spoke uh said that uh, you know he he had come home and he was obviously very visibly shaken and uh, and he had told his story and she had seen the scratches on his car and and uh and everything and so obviously she took it very seriously um and it wasn't until of course we started publishing these reports from other witnesses that she she saw that somebody else had experienced something similar to what her her dad had and decided to to finally come forward but um yeah that's one of the few cases involving some kind of physical contact that i'm aware of i don't think there have been a ton so i don't want people to think that this uh Waukegan no. story is representative but um it, it has it has been reported at at least once yeah i had a um and this was from 2015 where a gentleman and it came it came third hand i mean it was a friend of his his parents were literally attacked by this thing as they were driving in chicago and uh they claimed that it was following them home and attacking the car and they just tried to outrun it and went the back way to get home. And when they got home, they looked around and it was still daylight, but I think it was getting later in the, in the evening and, uh, they got out of the car and the woman stepped out of the car and this thing attacked her from behind and scratched her back. And let the pretty wow. deep laceration. In fact, they had to go to the hospital and have it closed up. I, I just imagine what they told told the doctor, uh, you know. Uh, but he didn't, you know, he didn't know that. But it, it came from a friend of his, and um, I don't know that. And that's really the only only physical contact that I had received from anybody. And I, I didn't I, honestly. I didn't even put it on the map. I didn't put it as part of the list. But it was something I. I figured, well, if I, uh, if something similar to that happens, then I'll put it up there. But, you know, this is, just, this is one thing about this phenomenon for the most part, uh, especially since 2017 is that we're just, 
not seeing much physical aggressiveness. Uh, they can bluff charge sometimes, but it's very minimal. Uh, they just scare the living hell out of people. But as far as actually making physical contact, it just doesn't seem to happen. Sure. Well, you know, using that uh, that Waukegan sighting as an example, um, I have no doubt that if that that uh, that thing, whatever it was, wanted to hurt this guy, wanted to to actually ambush him and his friend, it it definitely could have. They had no idea that it it was there. I think that um, at least the way the the story was told, the way it sounds. Um, it's uh, it's more likely that the uh, the fear was something imposed on them. It almost feels like the fear was projected onto them um, because maybe the thing wanted to scare him away. Maybe it didn't want to hurt him. You know, I, I think that if if there was some uh, intent to harm, that we would see people being injured, but we're but we're not. You know, it's just not happening. Yeah. Hmm. So let's see here. Um, that's the old one. This next one from Whack Cackle. Are Mothman sightings usually reported with a sulfur smell or corpse smell? Well, I I can tell you that isn't that just isn't the case. The only the only odor that I can remember, and I think it happened on either two or three occasions, was an ammonia smell. Uh, am I right about that, Tobias? Yeah, I, you know, I don't believe we have received a lot of reports of, of strong smells. Uh, there are some things to take into account there though, uh, I suppose. Um, the first one being often sightings take place in, in cars, you know, in, in motor vehicles. Um, and so if there was a strong odor, you, you might not notice it, uh, the other is some of the, or a, a good number of the the sightings are not uh, super close. You know, people are are at some distance. Uh, however, even in those sightings where uh, witnesses report being, um, you know, in in point blank range, really, with uh, these things, uh, we're not getting a lot of reports of of unusual smells. You know, not not sulfur or, or anything similar. It's a good question though, because that is, yeah. uh, that is reported in, in a, a good number of, uh, of weird creature sightings, you know, Bigfoot, uh, you know, dog man, that, that kind of thing. But it's not, it's not something I recall seeing associated with these winged humanoid sightings. Yeah. Okay. Next question. Savage Grammy. Have Mothman ever been spotted inside homes or mostly outside? Uh, I, I think they've been mostly outside. I mean, um, I you know, I have had people contact me and said they saw them in buildings at some point. But and I know other sightings, not necessarily those in, in Chicago, but in other places, just like Point Pleasant. I mean, some of those that were seen inside uh, in the TNT plant and other places. But... Um, in Chicago, that's been fairly rare. Yeah, true. Uh, you know, I, I can think of one off the top of my head, and this was a, a woman and her daughter in Madison, Wisconsin, a while back. Uh, it's a couple decades ago, and uh, and they had a sighting 
just off the Beltline um, near Seminole Highway. And uh, the, the daughter was, was pretty young. And, uh, and so she didn't really see the, the creature, but her mother did. And uh, it had a huge impact on her. She described sort of the, the typical Mothman experience of, of seeing this, uh, this large, black, uh, winged, red-eyed creature that scared the crap out of her. And, uh, and later, she was at their apartment. And she went downstairs into their laundry room. And, uh, and while she was down there, she said that she saw the same thing, uh, lurking about in one of the storage areas. Um, and so that is, yeah, that to me is the, is the only inside report other than what you already mentioned, like the point pleasant mm -hmm. stuff. Cause you're right. You know, that was being, uh, uh, reported in the, 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 the TNT area and specifically buildings out there. But, uh, but yeah, it, you know, with these, these newer sightings, um, you know, in the, the Chicago and, and greater sort of uh, Midwestern Great Lakes uh, region, yeah, that's really, that's the only sighting I, I can think of that, that would have been inside. Yeah, I'm trying to, I'm looking, I'm trying to, I don't think, I don't think we had any others. Interesting. Okay, next question. Can Squatch, are um, the airport still telling employees not to talk about the Mothman sightings. Well, I, um, I, I did talk to my confidential informant about two months ago. Uh, this individual is a supervisor with one of the airlines and, uh, they told me that the sighting rep uh, people talking about it has, has kind of lessened a bit, but, um, uh, unless people are just scared to death because they really, they really clamped down on people. I mean, there were people coming to, to me and I know to Manuel and saying that there, there were issues and that they were being threatened with their jobs and such. But no, this, this, uh, this individual who I have been talking to now for almost two years has, uh, did tell me that the, the reports had lessened some. So I don't know what's that's about. What do you think? Uh, you know, I, I don't know what to think, honestly. Uh, I I kind of struggle with a lot of the the O'Hare stuff because mm -hmm. I haven't been able to to verify much of it, and so um, you know I, I I trust you, of course, and and we've worked together on enough cases, and I have uh, and we've communicated with uh, enough of the same witnesses where uh, you know if generally speaking, if if you say you talk to somebody, I I believe you. But um, a lot of those other O'Hare reports, um, they've just never been able to, to be verified. So I, I don't know. I can't say with any confidence um, how many people were being, you know, threatened with uh, with unemployment or uh, if if anybody was. Honestly, I'm, I'm not saying it, it, it didn't happen, but um, but I. I don't know that it that that it did you know so uh i i, I do know it has, has happened now i don't know if it's specific I, I this person who i've been talking to did mention that employees have were, were told um mm. and i did talk to a, a gentleman who who was a former pilot and knew several people who worked at o'hare who told me and i posted on the blog who told me that uh there, there were repercussions with some individuals who made reports. So, um, I don't know, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, but it, 
it, it's interesting that we haven't had any reports out of O'Hare since January. So uh, you and I haven't received any. And uh, Manuel has kind of taken a back seat. Uh, he's got other things going on. So we haven't been able to uh, get anything from O'Hare. Though we've still gotten some reports. So, uh, yeah. So that being said... Brian McGlade, any more reports from police or firemen? Uh, no. Uh, the supposed sightings of the firemen at O'Hare was kind of the last ones we got. Uh, I haven't received or talked to any police officers since then, though we have had a lot of police officers come forward. Uh, we've had police officers who are on duty and, and several retired police officers uh, that had had seen things and uh had talked about it so uh but recently no we haven't received anything yeah nothing nothing super recent um one of my favorite uh reports actually came from a retired chicago officer named uh david ramos who was willing mm -hmm. to go on the record about his experience um you know i i was able to verify his uh employment he was a 15-year vet of the uh the chicago police department and uh yeah his sighting was when he was a, a kid back in 1971 and he said he saw this thing by the uh the, the north branch of the chicago river um and uh that's one that's that, that's always kind of stuck out to me and uh, and i wish it got more attention frankly because it's it's such an, an interesting sighting. What what he describes is fascinating, and on top of that, um, you know, he is a a credentialed policeman. Like you can you can verify that yourself. Uh, and so, if um, if if that means something to you, if if that lends him more credibility, then you know it's a it's it's an important detail. But we don't have a lot of uh, well anybody like that who's actually willing to put themselves out there and attach their name to a sighting as far as i know he might be the only one actually yeah. uh, who's actually gone on the the record and is has a, a verifiable service record um and so you know yeah that's 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 interesting you know I mean, because you you look at people like that and um you know he has a reputation like he has a a, a lot to lose. And it's only because he uh, retired and had since moved to Florida that, mm -hmm. you know, he decided, well, screw it. I'll go ahead and talk about this. Like, who cares? Like, what are they get? What are they going to do to me now? If people in Chicago are laughing at me while well, I live in Florida, whatever. So. <laughs> well, of course yeah. we had the sighting in, in, in 2017 uh, in the Auburn section of the city. Uh, where there was a crowd of people and two police officers apparently saw this thing. And then the one contacted us. Uh, and I, I filed a FOIA. I think you filed a FOIA. Uh, nothing. The only thing we got was they had no record of it. Right. But um, the way I verified that was because somebody who was in the crowd came forward a couple of days later with me and told me that, yeah, that that actually happened. So, um, yeah. So, yeah, that uh, one is, and I had um, a go ahead. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. That one is, uh, 
it's uh, it's it's a contentious case, of course, mm-hmm. because there is that missing police report. And uh, there are a couple ways to explain that, you know, of course, the first one being that it's it's made up. And the, the second one being that there is some kind of uh, conspiracy to uh, to hide mm-hmm. the the phenomenon, you know, and, and people can believe whichever of those they, they like, I think. But, um, you know, it is I, I, I don't blame I wouldn't blame anybody for looking at that and finding it suspicious. Right. And so while it's 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 an interesting case, mm-hmm. I don't think it's it's one of the, the best examples we have you know, uh, in terms of, of, of overall credibility. I mean, we, we, we've both spoken to, uh, like directly with, um, with, with witnesses that are willing to, to put themselves out there and have verifiable, you know, sort of, uh, details and, and, and evidence and things. Um, so yeah, it's, 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 it's an interesting sighting, but, um, but that missing police report is, is going to haunt it forever. Mm, absolutely. Uh, let's see. Marla Snodder, people always report bat-like wings. Do you get any reports of feather wings? We did earlier. Uh, we had insectoid wings and we had the owl man sightings with owl-like wings, owl-like faces. Occasionally, we will get one. Um, I can't remember the last time we got one with with the wing feathers, but we have received them. Um, but, oh, yeah. uh, early on, we, we had a, uh, we had a, most, actually most of the ones other than maybe one or two that came directly from MUFON originally were of, of feathered wings or insectoid wings. Yeah, definitely. I, I think the, um, let's see, maybe two out of the three of the 2017, uh, spring MUFON sightings that sort of kicked off things that year mm-hmm. were uh, described as bird-like. And then the third, I think, was described as more of a, a giant bat. And um, mm-hmm. and it's it's been split relatively evenly, or at least it was for some time. It Maybe it's leaning more towards bat-like now. Um, I think that a lot of people are sort of describing a general shape of the the, the wings. Um, and I've had people who have described bird wings as uh, as looking bat like, and it's been verifiable that what they saw was a bird. So take that for what it's worth. Uh, you know, some people have described feathers, sure. Some people have described uh, hair. Some people have described something that they weren't sure if it was feathers or hair. Uh, and so I think it's it is understandable to see some level of variation in those descriptions, right? Like I, I think it's possible that even if one person says bird-like and one person says bat-like, what we're really experiencing is the the normal human difference in perception that you would expect from, from multiple eyewitnesses. Yeah. Um, Jose Sanchez, could Mothman be the leftover reptilian from the dinosaur era? Well, I, I, I really don't see any evidence of these being a relic of some type. Uh, you know, we've got theories. 
theories about where these things come from, how they manifest, and you know, but it's nothing that's proven. Um, I don't know. What do you think about that, Tobias? Uh, yeah, I mean, anything's possible, right? But there's no specific evidence, I think, that would point towards that being true. So, um, you know, uh, everything's fair game right now. I think we can speculate uh, about any potential origin and, uh, and, and they'd all be equally true because we don't actually have any idea right now. But um, in terms of likelihood, in terms of, of any evidence to point to that, um, not really. And I think the main issue for me is if you're talking about like a, a relic species, if this is supposed to be something like a cryptid, uh, you know, that is to say uh, uh, some sort of biological undiscovered animal species, then there are a lot of uncomfortable questions we have to start asking ourselves. Like, well, first and foremost, how does it fly? Its wingspan isn't nearly big enough for it to be able to fly. Uh, what does it eat? Uh, there's no evidence of, of predation that needs to be accounted for in any existing animal species in these areas. Uh, you know, like if there was some relic species kind of hiding out, it should be eating something. And as big as it is, and as big as the breeding population would have to be for it to exist, there should be an appreciable uh, number of, of animals being noticeably eaten in these areas. And there's not. Um, and so, mm -hmm. you know, and then, and then there's the, the matter of habitat, like where is it living? Um, something that size, again, with the, the breeding population necessary for it to exist. Uh, there's no place for it to really live where it, it, it would be unnoticed in, in these areas. And so everything kind of points away from a, a natural biological explanation. And so um, pretty much anything that relies on it being in an undiscovered animal species, to me, um, at this point, uh, everything kind of, of contradicts that. Well, if this thing was indigenous and spent its time on or airplane, you would think it'd be at least some missing pets and stuff coming up, or we'd be hearing something about that. Sure. Uh, and we haven't heard anything like that at all. So take it for what it's worth, I guess. But, uh, you know, they don't seem to be feeding while they're here. Yeah, true. Uh, that's, that's another good point. Uh, you don't really get uh, reports of, you know, any kind of predatory behavior. You don't see people reporting, watching Mothman, you know, uh, eat a bird out of the air or anything like that. You know, there just doesn't mm -hmm. seem to be that kind of, of behavior present. Okay, Reese Fan, uh, Lon, have you or any of your team talked to any of the people that worked at the airport that saw the Mothman? Uh, I, I did. I did briefly talk to uh, the air traffic controller, and I did talk to one of the pilots briefly. But honestly, I'd say ninety-five percent of what's it came out of the airport came through Manuel now. Um, why, 
why people weren't or why we weren't getting access to that i don't know but uh you know it's it's been a contentious point from the very beginning with us um i didn't want to make a whole lot about it but the whole airport thing i mean they're they're interesting accounts they're but we're just not getting we're just not getting enough to justify a lot of those sightings. And we, you and I both kind of backed off on a lot of that. Oh, definitely. Um, you know, there, there comes a point where you have to consider your own credibility and whether or not you want to lend it to something that doesn't have the evidence to, to support its reality, you know? And so when it comes to those O'Hare sightings, unfortunately, the vast majority of them simply haven't been verified. And so Mm -hmm. I can't sit here and tell you that they didn't happen, but I also sure as hell am not going to sit here and tell you that they did. And I'm not going to say with any confidence that, uh, that, that they, they did, you know, um, I've spoken to exactly one person. Uh, his name was Daniel uh, and he said that he worked in the, uh, the cargo area and he saw, uh, you know, this large winged red eyed being while driving, uh, out to meet some friends after work. I think he was going to go meet him for a drink or something. And so he was driving along, uh, West Higgins after, okay. <clears throat> excuse me, after, after leaving work. And, uh, and he said he saw this thing. Uh, standing in this large grassy area behind this this tall fence and he could kind of judge its size based on the height of this fence and so you know he thought it was seven or eight feet tall and um, you know I I spoke to him directly and uh, you know he uh, he seemed as authentic I think as as you could imagine under those circumstances you know and um he uh he gave me a map of the area and sort of drew on it where he said he saw everything and so i didn't have any reason or that is to say i have no evidence that uh that what he said was not representative of his experience so as far as far as I could tell, without without any evidence to the, the, the contrary, um, what I like to do is I will approach a case as though what the witness is telling me is their authentic experience. And so everything that was verifiable that he was able to that he shared with me was was verified. And so that was that was the one case that I that I have from O'Hare where I can say, hey, maybe this guy actually saw something. Uh, everything else. And some of the stories get pretty wild. Um, They're just for something as, as bizarre as some of them are, when you start talking about, you know, government interference and, and people being hushed and everything, I'm sorry, I need more than second or third, like third hand accounts all coming from, from one person, you know, like, and I don't think that's unreasonable and it's not meant to be offensive to anybody either. For instance, if uh, if I were sharing stories, and uh, and and they were all second or third hand, and somebody was like, "Hey, I don't believe any of this," I'd be like, "You know what? I don't blame you. 
like that's a perfectly reasonable stance to have. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of where I have to come down on most of these O'Hare sightings right now. Well, I, I mean, we gotta be honest. Uh, you know, first of all, we did film an episode of documentary that is going to be coming out eventually. Um, and you and I, and we, we, we made it clear we were not going to talk about the O'Hara sightings. And, uh, you know, because we just did not have any evidence to back up any of that because we talked to very few people. Now, I have talked to people who've seen these things around O'Hara. Oh, yeah. You yeah, know, yeah. Bensonville and in and, and, uh, Rosemont and other areas. Absolutely. Yep. But as far as actual people at the airport, I have talked to very few. Um, in fact, uh, I, I did have one guy. Uh, let's see. We had the one, two. I had three people I talked to that saw it on or reported seeing it at O'Hare. And uh, the one was a gentleman who was actually got pushed back, told to get back into his car by one of the security people after he, uh, several of those cargo people had seen this being, and there were like eight or nine vehicles that showed up when this thing was reported. And he happened to be driving in the area because he was leaving work. He was working at the at O'Hare. And he got out and, and pulled out his phone, and he was told to get back into the car and to get out of there. And I talked to him. So... um and of course, like I said, I had the one lady who I've been working with, uh, who's the supervisor, who told me that people ha that work for her have been telling her uh, that they um, that they have seen it. And I do believe her because I know her brother. And uh, but they they don't want to report it. So I don't think she was too. I don't think she really wanted to be. A, part of the actual reports herself uh be honest with you but um yeah yeah so there you go so uh you know folks when when this thing does come out you can be assured that there are going to be sightings that we can verify and uh for the most part and uh yeah so and i that's i i tell you i'm i'll be honest with you i'm we're not really done with it yet but uh, and we're not going to, we can't really say a whole lot, but it's, um, I think it's going to be a very good production. Yeah. 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 Uh, I agree wholeheartedly. I, I think people will, uh, will be very interested to see what, um, what, what we've, we've come up with there, but you're right. We really shouldn't talk too much about no. it uh yet so that's a that's about as as far as 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 we can go <laughs> yeah and uh but it's i i'm quite sure people are going to like it and but um i just wanted to put that caveat in there because when they do when they do talk about it the airport is not going to be be part of much of it uh there's going to be some mentions of right. it but i don't think there's going to be anything beyond that uh but they are going to have witnesses who we have personally talked to so um yes. and people you have in person as well so absolutely yeah, yeah i know i i think that uh when it comes to o'hare uh well in in that particular instance just like i i, I basically just said the same thing I, I i already said tonight 
So, and I, that I have mm -hmm. been saying for, for some time now, so it shouldn't be, shouldn't be any surprise to, to anybody who's, who's ever heard me talk about it at, at this yeah. point. So. Well, you know, it was, it was, you know, it was one of those things I, I figured that we should say tonight. So uh, make that caveat. So, you know, if anything does happen at a hair that we can get some real, real tangible and very evidence. And, and even though it, it may be anecdotal, um, we will come forward with it. But, um, I, I would love that. If, if, that. Yeah. Yeah. If, if you work at O'Hare, if you know somebody who works at O'Hare, uh, have them contact us, have them reach out. Absolutely. We, we respect confidentiality. You can be anonymous, uh, as long as, as we can, you know, verify your employment, um, which again, will be kept completely secret. You don't see us ever out like uh, out here outing witnesses that never happens. Lon and I both have impeccable records as far as maintaining uh, a witness's trust and confidence. So, yeah, I mean, if, if you've ever even been tempted to come forward with a story like that and you know something about O'Hare, you can trust us. You should, you should reach out. Okay. Next question. Uh, piggy in the middle. Are there, they actually flying or are they, they somehow define gravity? Well, I, I, <laughs> that's kind of a loaded question. We, we don't know they're flying. I mean, there are people are seeing them in the air and, but many times it seems like they, they have propulsion abilities that are just not natural. I mean, they're supernatural, basically. They, you know, even when I had my encounter in Pennsylvania, the thing didn't flap its wings. It just literally took off. And that's very similar to what we're getting in, in, in Chicago now. Uh, sometimes people see them actually flap their wings. But for the most part, these things seem to defy any physics i mean you know what do you think about that tobias sure i well this is uh part of the the point that i i had brought up earlier where if you look at the dimensions as described it it shouldn't be possible for these these things to fly because you're talking about something you know between six and eight feet tall with only a 12 to 15 foot wingspan well that's not enough wingspan that even if it had hollow bones or something it shouldn't be able to fly with with those dimensions <laughs> so um yeah, I mean, if, if if we're talking about the difference between uh, flying using, you know, normal uh, winged flight mechanics, right? Like just normal locomotion, um, then no, I, I, I don't suppose I think it is flying that way. I think it, it must be in, in defiance of, of, of what we know about physics. Uh, and, and that's how it's, it's flying, whether that's manipulating gravity or, you know, using telekinesis, or we can only speculate. But uh, no, be, because of the seeming impossibility of it, it flying uh, using any sort of normal means, um, yeah, I would, I would assume that mm -hmm. there would likely be some paranormal aspect to it. Yeah. Uh, there, there, is one, um, there is one case that I, I do want to talk about. And we got it back in September of, um, along camp pine woods route, that roadway. Uh, yeah. And you, and you and I both looked into that. 
uh, where the um, it was near the Desplaines River, just northeast of here, where the woman was driving and saw the thing standing on the side of the road. Uh, you talked to her as well, didn't you? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that was an interesting one. Yeah, she that went really to pick was. up some pizza or went to a chicken place or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. And she was uh, um, she was on her way out, and uh, and she had had sort of a a brain fog or something. Like she was distracted, but it was more than that. Like she just felt yeah. out of it, right? And um, yeah, that's, I mean, that's, that's so interesting because. Well, I, I do know that I got mm-hmm. a couple of people contact me. And I had a couple of people contact me and just say to that area where it was seen at mm-hmm. has a lot of activity that happens there. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I mean, she was pretty, she was pretty profound about it, but uh she didn't know what it was. I mean, she, you know, she drove by and she said it was just standing on the side of the road. She didn't know what the hell it was. Right. But well, uh, no, she mean, described it, it, it basically the same of what, what everybody else has been. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, she, she, she definitely did. And it was definitely impactful, you know, like you could tell, like I, I, I spoke to her yeah. directly and, 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 and I know you did too. And, um, it certainly mm-hmm. seemed as though she had experienced something and uh, the description she gave uh, generally matched, you know, what, uh, what other, what other credible people had been saying that, that, that they had seen, which yeah. was certainly interesting. And, uh, and that weird, that weird brain fog that she was talking about was, was interesting. You know, I've often wondered if there is some in, some importance to the the correlation we find in these sightings between people being kind of distracted, you know, doing things like driving or just like out sort of aimlessly, you know, going for a walk or something and, uh, and seeing these beings as though maybe uh, being in a sort of uh, semi altered state of consciousness makes it more likely for whatever reason for you to have this, this kind of encounter and so you know maybe if she had been been suffering from um from some kind of of brain fog like that it just put her in the right state of mind to have this this kind of experience Hmm. (laughs) Uh, let's see here Christine Murphy, so many cryptids everywhere and most are never report. Unfortunately, that's the case. But people are, you know, I'll be quite frank with you. We know, we know for a fact that there's a lot of sightings in and around the Chicago area that we're just not getting. But the fact that we do have as many as we have, I think is a testament to people wanting to know what is really going on. So, um, I mean, what do you think about that? Oh, in in terms of the the sightings that that we're receiving, like the the number of them, yeah, um, yeah, you know, it's 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 a complicated issue because yeah, you have to wonder um, 
how many sightings are going unreported. Like for instance, the most common uh, narrative that I'm given by, by witnesses surrounding their experience just after having this kind of sighting is that uh, it's very powerful and uh, it's, it's, it's impactful. They want to share it. You know, we're social creatures, right? And so they will go to a loved one, could be a close friend, could be a spouse, a parent, a sibling, whatever. And they want to get this off their chest, you know, and they, they want to talk to somebody about it. And so they'll talk to this person that they feel like they should be able to trust implicitly. And the reaction they receive most often is to be laughed at. You know, they, they get made fun of mm -hmm. and then they don't ever talk about it again. Uh, because they don't think anybody else has ever seen anything like this. And it's only when they find somebody like me or Lon or, or anybody, you know, watching or listening to this uh, who who might actually take them seriously that they will talk about it. You know, I remember talking to uh, this guy, Gerald, and uh, but he was an, an old man when I talked to him several years ago. And he wanted to report a sighting that he had seen in, in 1957 when he was only uh, a teenager. And he said to me that he was glad he was glad that he had found me. He was glad that he had seen this article that I had written. So he knew that somebody else had seen something similar. And so he could come forward and report his sighting to me before he died, which is 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 pretty morbid, but it makes it. <laughs> it makes you think, right? Like how many people are yeah. there who have taken these experiences with them to their grave because they didn't think that anybody else had ever seen anything and they were just going to get made fun of if they talked about it. You know, I'm, I'm guessing it's probably quite a few. Now, Mothman is, uh, is well known to, to, to you and I, right? But outside of our weird circles, Nobody knows who Mothman is. If I if 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 I asked any well, if any of my grandparents were still alive and I and I were to ask them who Mothman was, they wouldn't know. Um, nobody in my family would know if they weren't related <laughs> to me, right? So yeah. Yeah. most people have no idea that this stuff exists, and so they, they don't talk about it unless they find somebody like us. Um, and so I've always thought that when it comes to things like like quote unquote flaps, you know, I, I don't know how much importance I would give them because I, I think what we're dealing with isn't an issue of increased incidents. I think it's an issue of increased reporting where you get a, a well-publicized report that leads to many more reports. And I think that's what we're seeing in Chicago versus other areas around Lake Michigan and really other areas all over North uh, uh, America and, and, and all over this, this continent, right. Is that, um, it's not necessarily that there are more sightings here. There are the only thing we can say for, with any certainty is that there are more sightings being reported here. Uh, because I think weird stuff happens everywhere. And I think it happens about evenly everywhere based on, on what I've seen after having done this for, you know, 15 years or so. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Let's see if we got any last minute questions here. Brian McLeod, Carlos Casatina reports Mothman like being in one of his books. I don't know. I don't remember seeing that anywhere. Do you know anything about that? 
Tobias? No. Who who was that again? Carlos Castaneda. Oh, okay. Huh. No, I don't recall seeing that. Um, if somebody wants to to share a link to uh to an article or a reference or something, I would I would be interested. Okay, folks. Well, I want to thank you all for coming on tonight. And hey, Tobias, thanks for dropping in. Well, thanks for uh, having me. I know I know we're going to get together and and do something before the uh, the episode eventually comes out. But but um, yeah, that the, you know the Hollywood strike, the writer strike, and all that just screwed everything up, unfortunately. So. Um, yeah, so I don't know what's going to come out, but I'm looking forward to seeing it. And uh, hopefully, and one thing you and I both have been saying is when this does come out and the quality, I think that was and the amount of care that was put into it and hell, the way we were treated, we were treated like kings. Uh, I, I think uh, I think people are going to be very happy with it. Yeah. 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 I think that, um, a lot of people put a lot of hard work into this and, uh, I think the end result is going to be something that, that people can be very proud of. And I think yep. it's very witness, it's, it's very witness centric. It puts the witnesses experiences first. And I think that is the, uh, the best and, and only way to approach these, these subjects. And so, um, yeah, I, I, I think it's going to be, I think it's gonna be very informative. So, um, tell folks how they can get a hold of your books again and uh what if you have anything you and emily are into or looking into tell them about it sure yeah well if you want to keep up with what we're doing at the singular 40 in society uh you can always go to our website uh, singular 40 in.com uh, and if you go to singular 40 in.com slash books of course you can find all three of our books that are out right now uh, the lake michigan mothman high strangeness in the midwest strange tales of the impossible and the Singular 40 in Society's Yuletide Guide to High Strangeness. Uh, we are also all over social media. So you can follow Singular 40 in Society on Facebook, Twitter, I'm sorry, X, uh, Instagram, TikTok, Threads, just yeah. all of it. All, we actually have a, 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 dis, uh, a Discord server now, too. So if you're interested in that, uh, we've got a, a pretty a pretty cool community of uh, open-minded like-minded, interested people who uh, who love talking about all of this kind of weird stuff. So if you ever want to chat online, you can find us on Discord as well. Uh, I've got some appearances coming up next year, but the, the one coming up the fastest is going to be Dead of Winter uh, in February down in Alton, Illinois. So, uh, so keep your eyes peeled for more on that um, since that's just a couple months months away hard to believe it but uh, it's true but uh, yeah otherwise you know reach out to us through the website or through social media if you have any experiences you want to share or or if you're an o'hare employee you know please for the love of god like absolutely that, you know, i would i'd love yeah. to speak to one but uh, but yeah i think otherwise that's <laughs> that's generally everywhere you can find us well, Tobias, thanks for coming on. And uh, like I said, we'll be back on together and doing this again eventually. And uh, yeah, so folks, uh, you know, buy the book. I mean, it, it looks very interesting. I, I bought, I, I actually bought it 
recently. I'm going to look at it. So, um, yeah. So you take care and, uh, uh, we'll be keeping people updated on this thing in Chicago and the surrounding areas. So you have a good weekend, stay healthy and I'll talk to you soon to All right. Thanks a lot. Okay. Take care. So folks, I want to thank each and all of you for coming and on and watching and chatting. Uh, if you did donate, it's truly appreciated. Your support is what makes all this possible. So please like, subscribe, and share. And if you have a sighting encounter or report um, that you would like to be considered for the personal report show, uh, posted at Phantoms and Monsters, feel free to contact me at Lon Stricker at phantomsandmonsters.com. So all I can say is next week, we're going to have a Christmas special next Friday night. I'm going to have several members of the team on. We'll be talking creepy Christmas uh, reports. So that'll be a bit of fun. So uh, until then, you all have a good weekend. And I'll be talking to you soon. Thank you.